you can already see, we're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper together in just a few moments, and that is really the highlight of the service. But this morning, I want us to continue from last Sunday as we were talking about the third gift of God, and that is the gift of eternal life. If you have your Bible with you, I know the Scripture is going to be on the overhead, but if you have your Bible with you, please open to John chapter 10, okay, because we're going to be focusing on the verses in John chapter 10 this morning. And let me, let me just encourage you, begin bringing your Bible, and I hope that you'll open it and follow along, not only on the overhead, but in your own copy of the Scripture. And folks, we have got to get back to the Word of God. If Christianity is going to do what God wants it to do in our generation, we must turn back to His Word. It is the light into our path. It is what He desires you and I share with others so that they can know Him as we do. And folks, we need as Christians to know what God tells us and promises us. And I want to tell you, in John chapter 10, Jesus gives a whole bunch of promises. Now, something else I want to say. I appreciate the soundboard committee more than I can express to them. And, and more and more people are getting involved with that. And we've got a trainee back there today, Brian. Uh, and I'm saying this to build you up, man, okay? Because uh, don't worry uh, if you... Uh, Sometimes I, I, I'm, I'm right on point, and sometimes I get messed up, okay? So don't, if, if, you, if I get messed up, it's not your fault, it's mine, okay? All right? <laughs> sometimes when you ask, you receive, you know what I'm saying? Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Father, I am so grateful that when we come into your house, Lord, we don't have to be stiff and, and pious, but Lord, we come as we are because you know who we are. We can't fool you even in your house, Lord. You know who we are, what's going on in our hearts and lives, where we're at in our walk with you. And Lord, I just pray this year that we would desire, Lord, that you mold us and make us into the people that you want us to be. Oh God, it's amazing if all of us, every member of Theresa Baptist Church just said, Lord, I want to become this year what you want me to be, and I want to reach out in your name and touch others as you want me to. Lord, what a revival would happen in this, in this community and even in our church. God, I just pray that as we study the Word of God, that the Spirit of God will speak to us. God, forgive us if we pushed your Word aside and said, I don't think that's very important, Lord. Help us to see that it is your Word to us. And we can grow in our spiritual bodies if we will study it and hear it. And Lord, most especially today, I pray for Christians that as they hear the promises of the Savior, Lord, these things will register in our hearts and minds and stay there. And be a firm foundation for us knowing that one of the gifts that we receive as believers is the gift of eternal life. Father, please magnify yourself this day in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read these verses to you. And Brian, we're going to go straight through these verses, okay? All right, Romans 6, 23. We read these last Sunday. Uh, we're going to read them again. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, the next section comes out of John chapter 10, verses 24 
to 30. If you know that chapter well, you know that Jesus in this chapter, the earlier part of the chapter, has talked about being the good shepherd. Beginning with verse 22, it is thought that it's about two and a half months later that John groups this passage of Scripture together and these events together because Jesus, again, is talking about sheep and being the shepherd. Jesus has gone into the temple, and there he is contacted, or in essence, he is interviewed by the Jewish leaders. Listen to this. So the Jews gathered round him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus is going to answer that question, okay? Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. And notice for the second time, the first time in verse 25, and the second time in verse 26, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep. Now listen to this, folks, and see if it describes you and me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And listen to what Jesus gives his sheep in verse 28. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Now, before I read verse 30, you remember back in verse 24. What was the question that the Jews were asking of Jesus? Are you the Christ? Listen to what he says in verse 30. I and the Father are one. Don't you think he answered the question? Remember in these last weeks we have studied about the list of gifts that God has given you, me, and the world. And again, I want to mention these because I want you to see this is in the Word of God, okay? And, and these are just six. There are many, many more. Number one, God has given us the gift of his Son. That's what we found out in the Christmas season, correct? Number two, the gift of God's grace. You remember that Paul describes in Ephesians 2.8, uh, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. The third gift is what we're looking at last Sunday today, the gift of eternal life. Next week we're going to look at the gift of righteousness and then at the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of spiritual gifts within the church. Last Sunday, we focused on Romans 6.23, where Paul said, For the wages of sin is death. Sin equals death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death, and death in our relationship with God. But God has provided a way for us, and we've already, I've already quoted this verse, or read it. Let me read it to you again, Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. And please notice, folks, that eternal life is the gift that God wants to give us. And again, the wages of sin is death. That's the first part of Romans 6.23. If the verse ended there, we'd be in a mess. But here's the last part of Romans 6.23. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, have you ever thought about how often eternal life is mentioned? And let me give you just a couple of examples. Okay, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And the word perish here is, is death. It means that we would not receive the payment from our sin or the result of our sin, that we should not perish but have what? Eternal life. 
Listen to John 3, 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Now, folks, I didn't say that. God said that. And he said it through his word. And, folks, people will ask me, I don't know whether I'm saved or not. Folks, the Word of God says we can know. If you believe in the Son of God, then you have eternal life. But listen to this. He who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God rests upon him. John is saying Christ equals eternal life. Rejection of Christ brings the wrath of God or the judgment of our sin upon ourselves. And two other verses that I want to read about about eternal life. You remember last Sunday, it was not trying to be negative, but I focused on the fact that sin brings death. When Adam and Eve sinned, they no longer were in the image of God, in that they were not perfect with God, they were not living in true harmony with them. Him, God did not intend that Adam and Eve died. That's the impression you get from the Word of God. They were in fellowship with God. There was no need for death, but sin brought death. So something has to happen. You and I, all of us know that unless we're living when Jesus comes back to rapture to the church out of the world, every one of us is going to die. But, listen to what Jesus said to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. Listen to these words carefully. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now what should we conclude from that verse? If we die in Christ, we're still going to live. Amen? And it's not going to be in this form where we're living in a weak and frail and body that was subject to sin, but we'll be given a body like Christ. That's a whole other different sermon. But listen to verse 26. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Folks, listen. Eternal life is something that God wants us to understand and God wants us to have. How should we understand this eternal life? Well, the Gospel of John explains eternal life in many ways. But Jesus is always the source of eternal life. In John 1, 4, these verses are not going to be on the screen, okay? John 1, 4, in him was life, the light was the light of men. In John chapter 3, as Jesus is interviewed by Nicodemus, Jesus says, you must be born again. How does the new birth come? It comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Folks, eternal life springs from the Son of God. And when He dwells in us, He gives us eternal life. Now, Let's take a little while to look at these verses in John chapter 10, beginning with verse 24. Again, as I mentioned before, John 10 has been about the good shepherd. In verse 22, Jesus is in the temple again, and it's important for us to understand what is going on. Jesus is there at the feast of the dedication, and that is modern day for what the Jews celebrate as Hanukkah. You know, Corey, we were asking, you and I were talking one day about what does Hanukkah mean? And I didn't know. We know that they light seven candles. It's called the Feast of Lights. But it commemorated back 165 years before the coming of Christ when the temple had been desecrated by the Roman soldiers. But one of the Jews named Judas Maccabeus went in and rededicated the temple to the Lord. It was a high and holy moment. 
But Jesus is in the temple at this time. The Jews are going to be there. And in verse 24, and a good rendering of the Greek would be that the Jewish leaders were closing in on Jesus. It's time for a showdown. They want to know who this carpenter's son truly is. They're trying to intimidate Jesus. They want to trick him and get him to say or do something in which they can bring charges against him. And so they pose this question to him. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And folks, it's so important to understand in the previous nine chapters in the Gospel of John, Jesus did many signs to show who he was. And you remember uh, the, Sunday, the two Sundays before Christmas, we looked at the, the Christmas signs, and we used the first nine chapters in the Gospel of John. Jesus does at least six signs and six miracles to show who he is. But folks, these Jewish leaders didn't realize that Jesus has already answered their question about his being the Christ. How had Jesus already answered the questions as to who he is? Look at verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you. Now, folks, that's in past tense. This is something that Jesus has already tried to explain to them and point out to them. I told you, and you do not believe, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. Jesus says, I've already told you who I am, but you've not believed, but look at the works that I do in my Father's name. And what Jesus has said, and the works that he has done, bear witness to who he is. And folks, again, the reason I want you to have your Bible open this morning is not only look at these verses, but look at the times that the works of Jesus are mentioned in this passage of Scripture. What I just read, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. Skip down to verse 20, uh, 32. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of these do you st- seek to stone me? Skip down to verse 37 and 38. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I, if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Folks, throughout the Gospel of John, John seeks to show who Jesus is. The Jewish people always wanted witnesses as, as background for understanding some truth. Already in John chapter 5, verses 32 to 47, and I encourage you to read those, the same thing is going on. And they're saying, Jesus, you bear witness to yourself, but we can't accept that. You tell us other witnesses so we can believe who you are. And in that passage of Scripture in John 5, Jesus mentions four witnesses of who he is. John the Baptist. And you remember what John the Baptist said in John chapter 1? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. How about the works which the Father had granted him to do? And again, throughout these these previous nine chapters, Jesus is doing signs and miracles of who he is. In the Gospel of John, the Father speaks from heaven, and people hear that voice. Folks, Jesus says, my Father has borne witness of who I am. And then he talks about the Scriptures. And of course, in that day, they did not have the New Testament. They only had the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying, if you study the Old Testament, and these Jewish leaders prided themselves on knowing 
what the scripture said. But yet they refused to believe what they said about Jesus. But folks, here's the problem. And it's found in verse 26. Jesus said, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. The problem of the Jews was not that they hadn't been given enough signs and testimony by Jesus himself, but their problem was, number one, they did not believe. You know why they did not believe? They were trusting in themselves and in their works to save them. In an introduction to a parable in Luke chapter 18, Jesus says this, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Folks, let me tell you, I believe that there's enough evidence in our world right now for you and I to understand that God is and that God has sent his son. Every generation has tried to eradicate the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it still is being told every single day in human history. Folks, he is the Christ. But folks, they did not believe They trusted in themselves. Folks, how does the Bible tell us that we can be saved and know who Jesus is? And let me again give you a couple of verses, okay? Acts 16.31, Paul speaking to the Philippian jailer. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. Paul says again in Romans 10:13 for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Folks, we must believe. We must put our faith in Jesus Christ as the son of God and as the savior of the world and as the one who bore our sins upon the cross for us. And if we reject that, we cannot be saved because we're rejecting the one that God has given to be our savior. But the second problem they had in verse 26, and folks, this is so heartbreaking. And I believe that Jesus, as he said this, must have been greatly disturbed. He said, not only do you not believe, but you do not belong to my sheep. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel and the Jews had been referred to by God as his flock or sheep. But these Jewish leaders, depending on their keeping The traditions of the elders, that was the human teachers thought that they were saved in God's children. And folks, we need to ask this question. How do we become God's sheep? In essence, how do we become a child of God? We become God's sheep by believing in Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior of the world who died for us. When we, as a lost sinner who hears God's word and becomes convicted of our sin by the Holy Spirit, and as the Holy Spirit points out to us that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ, when we begin to believe that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sin, we received the gift of salvation, we received the gift of eternal life, and we become members of God's family and sheep of his flock. And the question could be brought up, well, does God want everybody saved? And the answer to that is yes. There are passages, I believe, that teach that. We've already read John 3.16, For God so loved the world, not just the Jewish nations, not just Southern Baptists. God loved the entire world. And listen to this verse out of Ephesians 1.4. 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God's desire before man was ever created and fell into sin was for everyone to be saved. But making us free moral agents, as we talked about last week, every one of us has the freedom to say yes to God, yes to Christ, or no to God and no to Christ. And folks, you remember that the Gospel of John, even in chapter 1, John says in John 1.11, this is not on the overhead, but John said he came to his own home and his own people received him not. There were many that rejected Jesus. But listen, what happened to those that trusted Jesus? Well, John tells us in the very next verse, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave them power to become what? Children of God. They became his sheep. And folks, listen to how Jesus speaks of his sheep in verse 27. And I want you to look very closely at these next two overheads, and we're going to be finishing this up, okay? But in verse 27, Jesus points out three characteristics of his sheep. Number one, they hear my voice. Now, folks, think for just a second. And, and I believe one of the things about hearing in the Bible always mentions not only that you can simply hear something, but that you respond. And I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but how many of us as married men are hearing a lot of voices from our wife at home, but we never respond? You know, we just kind of tune things out, don't we? Don't we? I can only get a response from the women. Am I lying, y'all men? Thank you. I don't think there was a male voice that said no. But folks, here's my point. If we can, if we cannot respond and kind of tune out to people like you and I, how about when God speaks? God's probably spoken to every single person in this room. That's His nature. You and I are His creation. He's going to speak to us. But God's sheep, God's children, a born-again believer not only has heard God speak, but has responded. Jesus would say, follow me, and people would come and follow him. They would respond. And so hearing the voice means that Christ speaks and we respond. He speaks to us in many ways, through the Holy Spirit, through His works, through Scripture, through witnesses. Many of you, God spoke to you the first time through your mother or father, or perhaps both. God speaking. Jesus' sheep hear His voice. And secondly, Jesus says, I know them. You know what I believe that really means? I believe it means that an intimate relationship with the Lord begins. Not only do we turn to Christ and want to enter into his kingdom and have our sins forgiven and be given eternal life, but we want to begin an intimate walk with Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I know them. They walk with me. And they allow me to be a part of their everyday life. And listen to what he says. They follow me. Folks, we become obedient to Jesus and to God the Father. These are three characteristics of His sheep. Now again, we're saved by grace, not by works, right? 
But folks, when we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and we become a member of his flock, these are three characteristics that he expects of me and you, his children. And folks, listen, in verse 28 and 29, Jesus gives four promises to his sheep. Let's look at these quickly. Four important promises. In verse 28, listen to what he says. I give them eternal life. If you doubt eternal life and the Lord can give you eternal life, folks, you and I either need to heed this scripture or Jesus Christ is a liar. Because he says point blank, I give them eternal life. That, again, is what Jesus said, not Herbert Brown. Don't bank on it because I'm standing here preaching on it. Bank on it because Jesus Christ said, this is what I'm going to give you. And when we trust Christ as our Savior, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, correct? And we are given eternal life. He backs it up farther by saying in verse 28, they shall never perish. I read in one of the commentaries that in the Greek language, it is a very strong statement that could be translated, they will indeed not never perish. And then the third thing in verse 28, no one shall snatch them out of my hand. And folks, that sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? But let me get you to go back again if you've got your Bible open back to verse 12 in chapter 10. Verse 12, Jesus, again, is talking about being the, the good shepherd, okay? Let me, let me begin reading with verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have, abundant, have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, whose own the sheep are not. Now listen to this. Jesus is comparing a shepherd to someone who just comes in and is being paid to tend to the sheep. And you see what he says here, the hireling, he looks at the sheep and says, well, they really don't belong to me, so I really don't care about them. But the good shepherd, and he's going to point out, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But listen to what it says in the latter part of verse 10. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The word snatch is related to ravenous wolves or robbers who would come into the flock and steal the sheep. But Jesus is saying here, you're in my hand, and listen, I would not let anyone take you from me. And that's why John reiterates that Jesus said in verse 11, 15, and 17 that he lays down his life for the sheep. And folks, here's three points from verse 28. This is one of the clearest statements in the Word of God that one who believes in Jesus for salvation shall never be lost. And I'm not trying to create an argument. Folks, Again, you believe what you believe until you find something better, but I believe that because Jesus said that I give them eternal life, we can never be lost. And you might be saying, well, I'm still a sinner. Well, I am too, folks, but let me tell you something. The security of my salvation and your salvation is found in the ability of the shepherd to defend and preserve the flock. It is not dependent upon my ability as a frail sheep to do everything that God says for me to do, which I know I'm going to fail in. This does not give us a reason to sin, but folks, 
The promise here is that because you and I have trusted Christ as our Savior, we're still imperfect until we become like Him. But Jesus will lose none of His sheep because even our sins that we commit after becoming a Christian shall not separate us from Him. And the way I always look at that is when my child is... My name's put on their birth certificate. They're going to be my child forever and ever, regardless of what good or bad thing they do. And when you and I trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, regardless of the mistakes and failures that we have later on in our life, the shepherd says, no one shall snatch you out of my hand. And folks, in verse 29, Jesus says, my Father who has given them to me is greater than them all. Jesus identifies himself. As a son of God, my father, Jesus is God. God, the father gives these sheep to God, the son, who is the good shepherd. And Jesus says, not only is God, the father greater than all, but no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. We're in Jesus's hand. We're in the hand of God, the father, double security. Jesus' sheep will never be lost because we believers are in the hand of Christ and we as believers are in the hand of God the Father. Praise the Lord. Our salvation is secure. And folks, I can't believe any other way than that because this is the word of Jesus Christ himself to us. This is what he has done for us by dying for us on the cross. And folks, the final verse, verse 30, very plain, very simple. Jesus answers their question in verse, of verse 24. I and the Father are one. Folks, listen. Jesus is saying, I and the Father are one. And, and I know this is it's hard for everybody to understand. God reveals himself in three ways, but yet as one. God the Father, the Creator God, God the Son who is our Redeemer, and God the Spirit who dwells in us and sees us through each and every day. But folks, the purpose of all of the Godhead is the salvation of the sheep. And the salvation of the sheep guarantees the gift of eternal life. Man, I want to tell you, I hope and pray that I'll be faithful to Christ until I see him face to face. There's no guarantee of that. And for that reason, that he guarantees my salvation, all of us should desire that we live for him faithfully. Not saying, I'm going to trick God, but when I get in his presence, I'm going to say, well, listen, God, I joined Teresa Baptist Church. And he'd say, yes, you did. You trusted my son. But you could have lived for me knowing that I had a purpose and a plan for your life, knowing that I had eternal life waiting for you. How sad that, will, that day will be when we see how much he does love us and has loved us and all that he has given unto us. Folks, because the Lord has given us eternal life, we should desire to live for Him on a day-to-day basis. You remember what sin leads not to death as a Christian, but sin leads to a broken relationship with a Christian, with a Heavenly Father and His Son who loves us more than anybody else. Folks, these are some powerful, powerful words. Number one, do you know this eternal life? Do you have that gift? Jesus said, if you follow me, I'm going to give it to you. It's a natural result. You'll not perish. Sin will not take control of your destiny. I will. 
that you have that eternal life. It's yours. It's free. It's from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'll take your word and fill our hearts and minds. Lord, I pray for those that have not yet trusted your Son as Savior. Lord, I pray that even in these moments that you might speak and lead them to your Son. And God, I pray that we'll be reminded these are not promises of simply a carpenter's son, but these are promises of the Son of God who gave himself and shed his blood that we might know you and your salvation and be given the gift of eternal life. And Father, for us who are Christians, God, help us that we would not crucify your Son afresh by the lives that we live because so much has been given to us and so much is waiting for us beyond this life. Father, help us to give this life, this day, this week, this month, this year, all that we are, may we give it all to you, knowing that you have loved us so much and you've given us so much that we want to give our hearts and lives back to you. Father, be with us in these moments of invitation. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn this morning is number 417, Jesus is Tenderly Calling. Folks, the altar is open this morning. Do you know that you have eternal life? You have it in Christ. Have you trusted Him? If not, would you do that? If you've trusted Him but there's doubts, would you simply believe that what Jesus said is the truth? And remember again, He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Let us stand as we sing, Jesus is tenderly calling. Let's stand.